Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 157 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. Uh, what sort of risky business are you up to tonight? Well, Joe, I'm going to do this entire podcast like Tim Taylor presenting on the A Show, all dull and monotone. What do you think? Um. Well, <laughs> I like Tim. I'll uh-huh. say that. Yes, good guy. Um, he did make a lot of excuses for his performance. Oh yeah. Uh, on Final Wrestling Place. Yes, there's like two segments worth of them, I think. Right, right. Um, so we're gonna get right into it with this. Yeah, why not? Okay, so uh, Adam and Tim, Final Wrestling Place, and Brett of We Need Wrestling were all on the A Show this past week. Uh, seeing who's getting into round two of the Tournament of Champions, but also the personal grudge beef would have you between Adam and Tim that poor Brett was caught in the middle of <laughs> with all of this. Now, uh, in the interest of fairness, okay, mm-hmm. I did not listen to the, the version that was released to the public. What? Did somebody stooge off an early copy to you? I listened to an early copy that may have had the audio corrected. Okay. Um, so while Tim's audio now, I'll, so I'll say this. When I tried to fix the audio, mm. I saw a big dip in the, at one point in the audio. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I listened to it and it was Tim's file that if you're looking at any of your typical editing software, your um, your Audacity's, uh, Mixcloud, or whatever it is that you use, and let's say the bar, okay, where the audio is, is like about an inch wide, okay? Yeah. And you'll see that audio in the middle kind of fluctuate, you know, between those sort of things. But for a good chunk of it, there was like a little tiny thin line that ran through it, and that was Tim's audio, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I sent the version that I listened to uh, off to a professional who fixed it, <laughs> and I didn't notice a huge difference in Tim's audio um, when, once it was run through a different program, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I guess there was a part that was supposed to be edited out of the main show that was left in what was released on Monday. Uh, yeah, there might have been some admonishing from the officials as far as my uh, my drafting strategy or my my presentation strategy. I, I just uh, wanted to encourage everybody to just let let it play out, you know, but uh, uh, there was some scolding that I received in real time during the show from Matt that uh, might have made it into the initial uh, release. I don't know if you ever got around to editing it out, but I'm mm-hmm. fine for full disclosure. You know, I'm a very transparent person as the king of the draft shows. You know, it's I'm fine letting people see the process. Okay. Yeah. So um, I did tell you privately that I feel as though uh, the hosts of the show or the host singular of the show mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. um, did admonish you um and that may have shook you a bit in your presentation. And I, I feel as though that was unfair to you. 
I think that like I I had a plan to get out of what I'm doing. I was going to do, and obviously, you know, we're at the point where we can talk spoilers. Sure. Uh, I I had always planned on Vince Russo was just important to me because again, I want to present the best 2000 WCW show, and I think that my competitors presented very good shows. But if the source material is to present a WCW 2000 show it should be a bit of a train wreck off the rails type of thing. So I wanted Vince Russo because in my mind, his nonsense is like, is like important. So I had always planned on having Vince Russo do something where you'd fire somebody, come out and do a shoot or whatever. So in my mind, I was going to uh, book the uh, world championship, even though I didn't have the championship. And also, if I somehow had the world championship, I would have changed it to the United States or the tag team. It was always going to be a situation where I would, uh, I'm using in air quotes, have the title, but not actually have it. Um, And then I wasn't going to deliver on it. And when I was called out during the promo, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, okay, is my ending that I have booked going to like break the rules and i'm like no i think i'm good because i'm not going to deliver on the match but like i said it, it, it did throw me off because yes i tend to stretch the rules more than the next guy but at the same time i've been on the show a bunch of times i think i deserve a little bit of leeway so uh, maybe it wasn't so cool him jumping in there you know especially you know releasing that clip to the public yes a little bit you know and especially him saying that he was not going to release that to the public yeah yeah so i mean so you so uh, taking that you know so we're gonna say all this stuff here right yeah so i thought brett had a good show okay mm-hmm. uh brett had a perfectly fine show a themed show around mother's day um however as much as i liked brett's show Brett's show paid more homage to, let's say, 1999-2000 than it did 1000 WCW. Sure. Still a good show. Um, Brett definitely put a, s- a couple spots in there for his uh, we uh, Wings on Wings podcast compatriot, Doug. And I completely understand, right? Yeah. You can't cut the rhino... Uh, my fists are going to fuck your face promo on WCW TV. <laughs> um, Tim had a good show as well. The only problem with Tim's show is, is these twofold. Now, one is a very personal one, and the other one is more in the thematic of what you guys were trying to do. Um, a lot of time on Tim's show was spent... With the maestro and the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. <laughs> Which I'm not going to lie. I had both of those guys in my plans for something similar. So, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, but. Sure. And you would have had points deducted if you had like a multi-segment angle devoted to, like, again, two low-end jobber characters in WCW's history. Right? Yeah. No, it would have been like a backstage interaction. Sure. Or just a quick match, you know? I just felt as though it was too much time devoted to two lower-end characters. That's the personal part on me. The other part on me was, and I get what Tim was going for with this whole big thing with Team Canada, you know, and he has Austin in there, and Austin is coming for revenge from Brett. I'll nitpick a little bit and say uh, PCO was a member of Team Canada for an episode of TV, 
Bret Hart never officially was a member of Team Canada. He was on the stage after Lance Storm had a match where Jacques Rougeau was the special guest referee. But obviously, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick Jacques Rougeau. You're going to pick Bret Hart. You're going to pick Bret Hart. I'm not going to begrudge him for that. But where I'm begrudging him for is the opening segment, he lays out that it's going to be the baby faces with a mystery partner against Team Canada. I immediately knew the mystery person was going to be Chris Benoit, and I immediately knew Chris Benoit was going to turn on them. Mm. The thing about WCW in 2000 was nothing made sense. (laughs) You couldn't predict anything that was going to happen because it was being by a crazy person. (laughs) That being said, when we come to your show, which is being booked by a crazy person, and then you draft Vince Russo, all bets are off. You could do whatever you want. You could have had a fake, you could have advertised that Vince McMahon was going to come out on the show and turn WWF over to you. And you would have had just a Vince, a Vince McMahon impersonator come out. You could have literally done anything you wanted. Yeah. And you did. And like Vince Russo, you know, did the, you, you know, the, the whole deal that you did with the title and like stripping Nash of the title and firing Nash, that's the bash of the beach thing where he comes out and he gives the world title to Hogan and says, that's no longer the world title. That's the Hulk Hogan Memorial belt. So you could take that and go home. This is the world title. No different than what you did, which was lying and just saying Kevin Nash is stripped of the world title. I'm creating a new world title. Yeah. <laughs> And then not delivering on that promise. Again, classic Vince Russo. (laughs) I have a complaint about your show is that the entire time you mispronounced Club La Vila. Oh, okay. I looked it up on on the the Googles after, uh, you know, I did a little bit of research. (laughs) So I have no idea what it sounded like. I just read it. (laughs) I I would listen just to double check. Um, But... I voted for your show. Your show was the most true to what a manic batshit nothing makes sense and nothing will main, mean a lick of difference the following week on Thunder episode of WCW 2000 anything. TV, pay-per-view, anything. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I did finally get that coveted Joe Sposto endorsement there. Yeah. Absolutely. And obviously after this, I'll tweet things out. But listen, I understand people are trying to tell themselves that it's anyone's game at this point. And <laughs> I did take a nap before we started recording. And in that hour's time, there were somehow seven more votes casted. And I think they were all for you. <laughs> so well, in, I don't know. Uh, in the last couple hours, I've been actively campaigning against uh, like other people are making claims that my show was bad. So I've just been kind of retweeting and like arguing with people. So it might be me being aggressive on the Twitters. But as of right this second, when we're recording, uh, I have a 51 percent lead. Uh, Tim is 38 percent and Brett is 11 percent. Right. And this again, uh, even if you took Brett's votes and gave them to Tim. Mm-hmm. You're still in the lead. Yeah. And also, if you count the votes that I got from the first poll that was only up for like a half hour before I pointed out to them that it was only a day long, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I decided, though, a couple things. Uh, when I do officially win this, uh, right. I, 
I'm going to take the clothing that I was wearing during the recording and I'm going to sell it in the Facebook group. Oh, good, good. You know, uh, I don't know if I'm going to put it all in one lot or if I'm going to chop it up into like cards and sell it as like memorabilia cards, but uh, we'll, we shall see. Um, and I decided that there's really no reason why I should face Tim a third time because like, you know, the old expression, iron sharpens iron. I just can't keep facing an undercard guy like like Tim if I want to get better at this stuff. You know, I think maybe down the road, uh, you know, a rematch with you like a year from now or something like that. You know, that'll you know up my game, but just can't keep facing and squashing Tim over and over again. <laughs> oh, and then the other thing uh, I assume again, assuming I win this and I hope I do. I hope everybody listening to this goes and votes uh, because obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you enjoy this nonsense. But if obviously I win. I would then be booked for the tournament of champions. Right. And I just got to say, if Matt and Chris want me to show up for the tournament, uh, they're going to have to pad the lope because I've Ugh. proven, I've proven everything I need to prove. So I don't know. We'll say. <laughs> All right. By you saying pad the lope, I may have to retract my, my uh, endorsement <laughs> here. Fair enough. But Hey, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, Tim and Brett are awesome. They put on great shows. It was a blast drafting. And everybody should go listen to the show that dropped this past Monday. Yep. And there's two more days as of this episode is coming into your ears uh, left to vote. Um, you know, and again, I'm going to say Tim, you know, needs like another 10 plus votes to even tie you at this point. Yeah. And we don't want that to happen. Yeah. I got I got the supposed to endorsement. If that means anything, people, come on. If you were on the fence, obviously go wink. Well, listen to the episode if you haven't already, but make sure you vote for me. Exactly. Yeah. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right, so let's get into uh, This Day in Wrestling History, a, a relatively busy day in wrestling history. This is another one of those taping date versus... Uh, air date things. There's a bunch of big things that happened in the can that didn't air for another couple days for a lot of promotions. But again, we go with air date the day that we saw it. Um, you know, if there was like a TV thing with it. So on this day in wrestling history in 1994, uh, something that was actually covered uh, previously on this show and covered previously on Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, Herb Abrams UWF made its triumphant return mm -hmm. uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada with the Blackjack Brawl at the MGM Grand, a place that actually WCW would hold uh, many a Halloween havoc there. Uh, I think uh, actual attendance at this show was under 100. <laughs> so seeing a, you know, 20,000 seat building have about 98 people in it is something uh, the event had three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven matches, and of those eleven matches, nine of them, uh, I'm sorry, uh, eight of them were for titles. <laughs> um, Danny Spivey against Johnny Ace for the UWF American title, uh, Jack Armstrong versus Mondo Guerrero for the UWF Junior title. Sunny Beach versus Dr. Feelgood for the UWF Sports Channel TV title. 
uh, Bob Orton Jr. versus or Cowboy Bob Orton versus Ludwig Borga for the UWF Southern title. Uh, Little Tokyo versus Karate Kid for the UWF Midget title. Uh, Tyler Maine versus Stevie Ray, not Booker T's brother, uh, for the UWF MGM Grand title. <laughs> Can- Candy Divine versus uh, the future Ivory for the UWF Women's title. And uh, the Killer Bees against the Warlord and the Power Warrior for the UWF Tag Team titles. Oh, and I'm, you know what? I apologize. There was another match here for a title. So it was nine out of the 11 matches were for titles. And then the UWF Heavyweight Champion Steve Williams against Sid Vicious. Um, the match I remember mostly, uh, this would air kind of like in heavy rotation on ESPN for years after this, mm-hmm. was Cactus Jack taking on Jimmy Superfly Snuka in a lumberjack match uh, that ended in a double countout. <laughs> Oh, man, I got to write this down. This might be a future show homework. I was going to say, <laughs> while while you and Vince Russo are playing checkers in 2000, Herb Abrams was playing three-dimensional cocaine chess in 1994. <laughs> and I think all the extra titles are for the eventual UWF brand split so they can start running two house shows. <laughs> I get I don't know what the hell was going on there. Um, also, on this day in wrestling history, 2001... World Wrestling Entertainment held the Unforgiven pay-per-view. Um, one of the more, uh, I guess, memorable imagery from this was the ad was the paranoid Steve Austin with the three heads. Hmm. And as they would cut in and out, like, and they'd, you know, like, Unforgiven's brought to you by Skittles or whatever it was. It'd be this nightmarish thing of the three Austin heads spinning, like the three-headed Austin spinning around and, like, screaming and stuff. Hmm, I don't, I don't remember that. Okay, so this is in the, the 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 middle of the Alliance era, World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, you know, and just to give you an idea, uh, what the card then looked like. Uh, WWF tag titles: Dudley Boys against Landstorm and the Hurricane versus the Hardy Boys versus Spike Dudley and the Big Show. To show you how low on the pecking order things were for the Big Show in two thousand one. Uh, Perry Saturn versus Raven, Edge versus Christian for the Intercontinental title, Kane and The Undertaker versus Chronic for the WCW tag titles, <laughs> uh, RVD versus Chris Jericho for the Hardcore title, The Rock versus Booker T and Shane McMahon in a handicap match for the WCW World title, Rhino versus Ty Jerry for the WCW United States title, and Kurt Angle taking on Steve Austin for the WWF title. Just as many title change title yeah. matches on this show as there was the Herb Abrams show uh, seven <laughs> years prior. <laughs> but a much, much more stable person at the helm, though, of the company. Uh, <laughs> at, at the times, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this was, and again, you know, putting things into perspective, this was however many weeks after 9-11. Um, they had Kurt win the title in his hometown over Austin in the middle of all the Alliance stuff. Um, you know, Kurt, like, now a huge baby face because everyone's, like, super America after that. Yeah. And I think I think Kurt would lose the title back to Austin, like, two weeks later on Raw. This is, like, the Milkamania era, too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I and, I, have, uh, I was going to say, as strange as this might sound coming from me, I have a, a little bit of a fondness towards the Alliance era of WWE, you know? 
I had a yeah. bunch of DVDs. You know, it was just it was just a unique snapshot in time to have like ECW, WCW, and WWE titles all in one show. You know, if, even though they were all WWE titles at the time, just the uh, the, the lifelong wrestling fan of me thought it was cool. Yeah, and and again, I think a lot of it doesn't hold up, but I have a lot of I, like I remember all of this stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember the TVs leading up to it. I remember the pay-per-views leading up to it. Even you know, up to we're gonna get to it. We get to it as we're going through. Um, you know, the Survivor Series winner takes all of them blowing off the WWF versus WCW feud in seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, Ric Flair coming in saying the consortium was me, uh, Flair versus McMahon at Royal Rumble, McMahon bringing in the NWO and then everything else that comes from that. Like I, I like this was, I, you know, I, WF was the only thing left, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you were a wrestling fan, this is what you were watching. So everybody was watching. Yeah, you had this in uh, like the the weekly TNA pay-per-views around this time, or the, they come a little later? A little bit later. Uh, weekly TNA pay-per-views don't start until like, like so, oh, okay. So at this time, if anything, Jarrett is doing those WWA World Wrestling All-Stars pay-per-views. Okay. Um, where they're like in Australia and all these other overseas places. And that's where, like, Disco Inferno and Double J and, like, Road Dog got let go around this time, and he shows up there. Brian Christopher got let go around this time. He shows up there. Sting is on those shows. And they were all being built around Nathan Jones uh, <laughs> because they were running in, like, Australia, New Zealand, and he was a native and so on and so forth. So, like, WWA was the precursor to TNA. So... I think they even did a WWA uh, pay-per-view where they merged the TNA title with the WWA title. So it all it all ends up being the same. Okay, so like Impact, you know, Christian can contract the lineage of his title all the way back to the WWA. Correct. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't I don't think he would want to, but if he wanted to, he could. <laughs> uh, so lastly, uh, on this day in wrestling history, 2016. Uh, was the AIW event, the whole shebang, a farewell to John Gargano from the Indies. Hmm. Uh, you can watch this show in Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, some of the matches on this show was all of John's students at the time in a match, uh, which was Dr. Daniel C. Rockingham, Frankie King, Garrison King, Brian Carson, Dom Garini, and Britt Baker in a big scramble match. Oh, uh, hot sauce, Tracy Williams versus uh, Shinjiro Erie, which was a great match. Uh, Tracy Smothers versus Swoggle, which was a match that happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the main event was advertised as best two out of three falls. John Gargano versus Candice LeRae. The match devolves into a bunch of shenanigans with a bunch of uh, non-preferreds I'd rather not talk about. But all in all, a very memorable night. And I was reminded uh, by someone involved with this show um, that it was around this time. So, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago. Um, This may have been. um, Yeah, so this is. And again, if we remember from a couple weeks ago. We did the uh, Chikara King of Trios thing, which was, you know, the beginning of the end of me for yeah. Chikara because Joey Styles had come in. Yep. 
Well, apparently Joey Styles had actually contacted AIW about trying to get booked on this show to call Johnny's last match. Oh, really? Yes, because he had gotten to see Johnny a bunch and evolve, and he was a big fan of Johnny, and he thought it would be a big thing to call Johnny's last match of the Indies. And uh, the AIW people are like, no, we're going to use our own guys. You, yeah. you stay home, Joey Styles. <laughs> if you want to come for free and cover your own travel, we'll let you do the opening match. That's about it. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, so check that show out. It's definitely a, a time capsule thing to see where a lot of those folks, uh, you know, notably Dom and Britt Baker were five years ago in their, or was it six years ago in their career? Yeah. I might check. Uh, you know what? I've been becoming more of an AIW mark lately. I might peruse that. You sent me the link. Thank you. Yeah, and as we record, uh, they have their event streaming live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, which uh, I think John found out about Monday was streaming uh, this Thursday. So a little bit of scrambling he had to do. Oh, they, they get a new laptop? Uh, apparently, yes. All right, good, good. Making sure. So, Adam, let's get into our likes and dis- dislikes. Um, I promise mine are going to be mostly short. Uh, no real rants or anything. Yeah, I think we have a packed show. Likes are a little bit of a collapsible seg this week. But <laughs> I will say, uh, <laughs> when it comes to likes, I have one that's set in stone. And the other one I couldn't really decide. So I am going to flip a coin. All right. So heads, my first like is the bunny with Penelope Ford versus Anna J with Tay Conti. And then Tails, it's Omega versus Danielson. So hold on. <laughs> uh, all right. I did just flip a coin. Uh, unfortunately, it is Tails. So my first like this week is Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson from AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday. Uh, this is how you do a time limit draw. Uh, I have complained about time limit draws recently in the past, and this is one where the match just was a uh, a slow escalation up in just everything from excitement to uh, you know just the crowd being bought into it. They just started off with a lot of just chopping the shit out of each other, and you know, in submission attempts. Uh, Danielson's poison Rana counter of the one winged, one winged angel was awesome. Omega's suplexing Daniel Bryan off the top rope where Daniel basically uh, lands on his face and gets all the, the mat rash from it. Uh, very good match. Uh, obviously, that is not a hot take. Um, I am looking forward to the hour-long draw and then the eventual title match that happens. Uh, I am here for all of it. It was a, it was it delivered and it was cool that they opened up Dynamite with it. I like that. Uh, this is also in my likes. Um I had this written in my likes when it was announced. Same, yeah. You know, I didn't need to add, you know, I didn't need to see the match, but I was very excited to see the match. Um, I I feel as though it was the opener, again, one, starting hot, but also two, knowing that they were going to go to the time limit draw. Um, Let's get this out of the way first so that something else in the show doesn't run long, and then we got to, like, cut time on this. Yeah, you can't do like a 27-minute time limit draw or something. Yeah, because this crowd and this fandom is like, I did the time bell to bell, and it was in only 28 minutes and 43 seconds. So you robbed us of a minute, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I will say I knew there was going to be some decisive finish going into this. Um, Them announcing 30-minute time limit, and then on commentary, JR just reiterating, that's right, folks, just 30-minute time limit. And I'm like, oh, it's going to a draw. 
And the thing was like the ma- the finish got kind of ruined, but it didn't matter because the match itself was unbelievable. Um, yeah. you know, I I'm not like- a star rating. I'm not star rating guy. We joke about it here, but you know this Brian Danielson, my favorite wrestler. Uh, you know, currently having this unreal match on free TV. Um, what better advertisement for your product, your return, this character, whatever it is, uh, than this match? Yeah, I, I, my only nitpick would be, and I, the, again, this is not a unique take. You heard the the muffled announcing over the crowd, like they didn't pipe it into the TV audio, but you heard them giving the time cues of you know thirty minutes or twenty minutes remaining, ten minutes remaining, whatever. The only thing that sucked was Excalibur being like, "Oh, this this match has forty five seconds left." I wish it had came out of nowhere. You know, because even though they were announcing the time countdowns, and I thought in the back of my head it could have gone to a draw. I would have rathered the bell just ringing out of nowhere because I was that engaged in the match. When he said 45 seconds left, I was like, okay, well, it's, it's a draw. Nothing's going to happen in the next 45 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure the folks there live didn't get that information. They were getting the announcement of the time limit. But, um, yeah, it was still an awesome match. Uh, again, I, I can't imagine how you watch that match and not just be blown away and just – want to see that match again and of course Kenny coming out on social media saying uh, I will not grant Brian Danielson a rematch it's like okay it's again sometimes uh, in 2021 when you're not Vince Russo wrestling makes the most sense when it makes sense yeah see uh, and I will just mention that uh, on we need wrestling uh, DJ brought up a good point because me and DJ both huge Terry Funk fans both fans of like classic wrestling from like the 80s and whatnot oh sure yeah yeah you and DJ yes yes good you know just kindred spirits in this and uh, DJ brought up the point of like Funk's uh, attempting to challenge for the NWA world title and just how he had to work his way through the competition. I can see that being a scenario that, you know, Daniel Bryan in order to prove himself to get a shot at Kenny Omega has to plow through, you know, all the, the top five ranked guys. And I thought that was a good storyline that DJ posed. Mm-hmm. So we doubled up there. Yeah. You want to go or should I throw one out there? Uh, I'll go to dislike. How about that? Okay. Um, so I am going to pick as a dislike the, uh, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte, no last name, uh, match that happened this past week on Monday Night Raw. How dare you? Go ahead. So not for the segment itself, uh, because the segment was bad, but again, what's a bad Alexa Bliss segment on World Wrestling Entertainment TV? It's nothing new, right? Uh, it's the fact that... The next day on uh, his wrestling internet show, Dave Meltzer said that in an unprecedented move of the 8,000 people that were in attendance at this event, during this segment, 1,500 of them got up, left, and never came back. To which the next day, Brian Alvarez clarified and said it wasn't 1,500 people. It was only 750 people. Now, I'll say this. I watched Monday Night Raw this past week. And again, it was a big building and they only sold 8,000 tickets. There was only 8,000 people in, in attendance. And if a fifth of those people just got up and left, you might be able to notice. Mm-hmm. Even the way that WWE lights their buildings, you might be able to notice. 
So this felt as though a bit of an exaggeration on both Dave and Brian's parts. But by saying this publicly, this energized and electrified the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, female roster, most notably Dewdrop and Alexa Bliss herself, who both decided to take very veiled, very obvious, uh, 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 what do you what do you call them? Uh, not, uh, I don't want to say tweets, but uh, cryptic tweets at Dave Meltzer for his reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, like people in WWE shouldn't be negatively tweeting at Dave Meltzer when he says stuff like this. Dave Meltzer shouldn't have a little bit more integrity to report something like that without some sort of proof. Um, you know, and I don't want to be like a Bruce Pritchard type. And I know Bruce was probably the one that like kind of told these girls to probably go crazy. And I'm saying probably because that's Bruce's M.O. Uh, he can't negatively tweet against Dave and Brian, but he could get people on his employ and who work for him to do so. Um but I don't know. It just it was just a it caused like a bad scene on social media by Dave coming out and saying something that like if you have eyes could be proven not to be true. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna address this in two parts here. So obviously I might full disclosure be a little biased in this whole situation. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, they basically did the same segment as they did the previous week. If you remember, there was an Alexa Charlotte confrontation last Monday, and that one was actually pretty good in my eyes where this one was complete dog shit. So I will just go ahead and say it was a bad segment. But as far as the crowd leaving goes, here's the thing. If you are a wrestling fan in the year 2021 and you turn on WWE programming, and you're like, ooh, I like this enough to not only buy a ticket, but like go and fight traffic and fight crowds and like go to an arena to watch it. If you are that much of a WWE brain pilled wrestling fan, nothing in that segment would have made you leave. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this segment popped up in the middle of like an AEW pay-per-view, you know, where it was just completely out of place and just surrounded by all this classic great matches where you're like, why are they doing this? If you went ahead and, and you bought the ticket to go to Monday Night Raw, uh, this is just par for the course. Like, this is no worse than most of what was on that show, uh, Big E excluded. You know, so uh, with that being said, I only give this second Charlotte Alexa thing three and a half to four stars. Oh, that's you. <laughs> no, but I, I look forward to Alexa winning the world title again. But we'll talk about that during Does Joe Know the Card. Spoiler. 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 There's a free match for it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and do uh, – I'm just going to do another like, and this is a quick one. And I'm going to say, surprisingly, Joe, if you would ask me if I would have in my likes at some point this year both FTR and Sting, I would have told you you're a crazy person. But my second like is the match between FTR versus Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, Sting is a bumping machine, man. That cross body onto the FDR. I thought FDR was really exciting in this match. Obviously, Darby, when he did that coffin drop onto the FTR guy with hair, uh, when the FTR guy was like leaning over the hardest part of the ring on the apron, uh, that was sick as hell. But it was just a really, really fun match. And kudos to Sting at like 75 to be able to go like that. First of all, Sting's not 75. <laughs> uh, second of all, this match was really good. Uh, not in my likes, 
other than the revival looking like dorks in their fake NWO gear. <laughs> but I, I, I've been fantasy booking the um, the Sting Darby uh, tag title run in uh, DMs lately. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get those. I want to hear some of those DMs one of these days, but we'll see. I included you on one set of DMs, and you're like, why are you telling me this? It's like, <laughs> save you for the show, Dan. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, good to see that you don't like a Sting match enough to put in your likes, but what else no. do you have? So in my likes this week, uh, I have the, I'm not going to read the press release, of course, uh, but the AEW announcement that they've come to an agreement with uh, Martha Hart, the widow of Owen Hart, uh, in regards to a working agreement with preserving Owen's memory in the world of professional wrestling uh, by some time in the near future doing the Owen Cup tournament. Uh, also by doing Owen-related merchandise, whether it be putting him in the video games, uh, doing figures of Owen through jazzwares and so forth. Now, this did cause a lot of controversy online. Uh by people who are scumbags and their souls are actually made of shit. <laughs> um, so they they hang their hats on this remark that Martha had said for years that she didn't want anything to do with wrestling. But the thing is, she didn't want anything to do with wrestling, world wrestling entertainment wrestling, which WWE has done their hardest to make their name synonymous with when you say wrestling, you're thinking of us. But now that there's actually a viable company who actually seems to be, you know, not horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was Chris Jericho getting Martha to agree to do stuff with Dark Side of the Ring. It was Jericho getting Martha to agree to do stuff through uh, Pro Wrestling Tees to do Owen shirts there and the Owen Micro Brawler. It was the way that AEW handled the sickness and unfortunate passing of John Huber last year. It was all of these things... That caused Martha to make this decision to go with AEW and to let them honor Owen's name in this way. And if you think that AEW is doing this um, to capitalize or to make money off of Owen's name, I think you're sadly mistaken. Martha has worked very hard not to allow that to happen. And it's not like World Wrestling Entertainment hasn't tried to make that happen. She, I'm guessing, has turned down more offers from WWE than she has accepted, which is none, because WWE, time and time again, proves themselves to be a dog shit company Mm -hmm. when it comes to public relations, when it comes to the way that they treat their people, especially in their times of passing. And in their short time, AEW has done an amazing job of having to deal with tragedy and handling things and so forth. So, um... I I feel as though at this point, we as wrestling fans should honor and respect whatever the widow of this much beloved wrestling personality decides to do with his likeness and his memory and so forth. We don't have the decision to say, well, your decision is wrong. If we disagree with it, it's maybe our responsibility, not as a wrestling fan, but as a human to like, shut the fuck up. Hmm. Um, but that being said, I- I'm, I'm excited that, sh- you know, cause I was a big Owen fan as well. You know, I loved Owen just as much as I love Brett. Um, you know, his passing was a huge tragedy and, uh, I'm just glad that, you know, she's 
decided to allow like a new generation of people to uh you know realize how how special her husband was as a performer in any way of the word in any respect of the word as a wrestler but also what he meant to not just this generation but multiple generations of wrestlers yeah when this news broke i i, I accidentally saw some of those uh wwe fanboy accounts and the tweets and stuff like that and there's all stuff that i wish i didn't see obviously but i've always been an owen guy back when uh he was with us and him and brett were both going on all cylinders i always liked owen more you know so i'm an owen fan and i'll definitely buy at least one of the aw figures when it comes out uh, i'm happy for all this uh i'm a little sad that you know we're gonna have you know him being featured prominently at least it through remembrance and all that stuff. But the footage is all owned by the other people. You know what I'm saying? So I'd love yeah. it if there was like a memorial tournament and it's like, Oh, here's some clips of like some great Owen Hart stuff. And unfortunately it's just all going to be stuff that the WWE doesn't own, which obviously is a, a smaller portion of what's out there. So I, I wish that somehow, uh, you know, that there's, I hope they use a lot of like fan footage of like his WWE time, but uh, I, I think it's all awesome. I, I, cannot comprehend how somebody would you know say bad things about martha hart for choosing AEW over wwe uh just once again it's a wwe is a shit company and a lot of their fans are too there you go yeah all right joe i'm gonna go with a dislike and i i should save this for last because you know that's usually where the rants are but uh this is just kind of been boiling my blood for the last couple of days so i want to get it out of the way because it's consuming me and this is a dislike and this is from aw dark elevation all right so all of the live reports from this show that i've been reading over the last week said that the Santana and Ortiz match versus JT Dunn and Avery Good was a 20-minute seven-star classic. People were telling me about all the near falls that Avery Good had, how the crowd was on their feet for the whole thing. So I was excited to watch it, Joe. But what happens, I turn on YouTube, and they edited the shit out of the match. The match, the way they presented it, it made it look like it was a squash match. Like, like they brought in Avery Good and JT Dunn to just be enhancement guys. Uh, I think it's bullshit that this creative editing, just to make the sign guys look better, cut out all of those, uh, all the high spots that my boys did, all of the near falls, and they even cut it out, cut out the 10 minute standing ovation that uh, Avery Good got at the end. Uh, and you want to talk about the Suzuki incident or whatever? Uh, what about the best incident? How they cut out the his entrance? I'm just not happy about how AEW, we were just talking about how they're a great company, but they specifically smeared such a great team by cutting down that match so badly to make them look bad. Not a good thing, dude. Um, <laughs> so I may have been told in advance that this wasn't going to be a long match. Uh-huh. Um, and I will say, uh, Avery Good never was officially tagged into the match. Well, based on what we saw on YouTube, obviously. Right, right. The released, uh, the released edition of this. He was never tagged in as a legal competitor. Um, I think if he was, and he was given a fair opportunity, the match would have turned out much differently. Mm -hmm. Release uh, the Avery Good cut. Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm sure, Avery, and I hope Avery Good will get another opportunity be able to showcase what he could do 
AEW, but they have just announced a bunch of matches over the last couple days uh, at the uh, IWTV show on October 8th. Like, their super show that they're doing, he is going to be taking on uh, the former Cheeseburger at Let's Hang Out. He's going to be taking on Tony Deppin. And then at a show in November for ECWA, he's going to be taking on Mr. Ula La for their title. So as the uh, summer of Wicked comes to a close, the autumn of Avery Good uh, begins. And that being said, I hope at some point here, uh, before the year is out, we get an Avery Good versus Hollow Wicked one-on-one match somewhere in the world. Yeah, looking forward to it. And we also, they announced... Uh... Avery Good versus Tony Deppin for the next Let's Hang Out. Yep, said that. Okay, sorry. I might have cut out and you didn't hear me. Yeah. I've been having audio issues. All right, what else you got? All right, this is my last uh, dislike, right? Mm. Uh, So I want to say that I liked uh, NXT this week. Not enough to be in my likes, but I did like uh, NXT this week, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. my favorite slash least favorite part of NXT this week was the constant uh, debut in vignettes of new characters, right? Mm-hmm. With little video packets and so forth and whatever it is. Um, like somebody somebody was live tweeting the show, I think, uh, uh, Wednesday morning and said that somebody needs to keep a spreadsheet of all these things. <laughs> uh so again i uh, you know i i may have tags out there for spreadsheet right mm-hmm. um you know and just to see if like if these people are going to still exist as who they are right sure um you know you have cameron grimes who's a rich hillbilly la knight who's the million dollar megastar uh ridge holland who's a guy with a stick question mark <laughs> A British guy with a stick. A British guy with a stick. Grayson Waller, Drake Maverick's friend. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, Amari Miller. Bubbles and is from Missouri. Is her gimmick, I guess? I don't know, right? Yeah. So. I, I just want to say, Joe, that, like I have it in my notes here because I think we're going to line up a lot on this. But I just say that watching NXT over the last two weeks is like watching an episode of Glow. It's just a bunch of random vignettes and people like doing matches that I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's a great comparison that I've never seen someone make. I'm going to allow you to have that one publicly <laughs> on tweets to say that the new NXT is essentially glow. <laughs> um, it's less developmental and it's more the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. If they When they all were in the ring to start the show this week, I'm like, oh boy, they're going to rap, aren't they? And they didn't. <laughs> so, well, you, can this... go ahead and, you can go ahead and tweet it out because I want people to see it. So, oh, okay. You can steal it. <laughs> so this part has been, an uh, as the day has gone on, an ever-changing dislike. <laughs> becoming more and more of a dislike as the day has gone on. So of all the new gimmicks and all the new characters, the one that I disliked the most was Joe Gacy as a dishonest, woke person. Now, I don't want to say that I'm friends with Joe Gacy, but I know Joe Gacy. We've been on shows together. We have a lot of mutual friends. And Joe Gacy's a really nice guy. So for him to get saddled with a gimmick where he's going to own the liberals and, you know, use their terminology and throw it in their face as a heel wrestling character, 
is not who Joe Gacy is. Um, he was doing his best with the material he was given, but it just felt forced and it felt like a bad fit for him as a person. Okay. Mm. So that was in my dislikes. So then earlier today, Fox News does a story. WWE pins woke left with controversial new wrestler. To which they extol how great this character is and all the verbiage that he uses um, and how this is going to really piss off all the liberals and everything else like that, right? Mm -hmm. Then WWE goes and scrubs all mention of the character from their social media and YouTube. Which only feeds more into the, 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 the propaganda of the right that like a company would go and like silence the voices of a, a right-leaning person. <laughs> and it's, so at this point, the first character to not have his character anymore ends up being Joe Gacy. And because of whatever it is, like he debuted on TV, he had a character, no matter how good or bad it was. But because of all this, like he's probably off TV now. He's got to now go back to training at developmental at the performance center and start from scratch so that everyone forgets this character that he has that was advertised on Fox news and that screws him. And I feel bad for him. So that really sucks. I mean, it, it is entirely possible. I mean, I don't want to give them enough credit to think of doing this, but they could lean into that angle of it just being like, Hey, I'm being silenced you know, why am I being banned from Twitter? You know, they can just go and delete his Twitter account and just pretend that like a, like a Trump type of thing and just invite everybody over to fucking WWE's version of parlor or whatever it is, you know? Right. So they can lean into it if they want to. I don't know. Like I said, the fact that they pulled every tweet that was even mentioning him, the fact that they pulled the promos off of YouTube and all of this, I don't know, man. I just feel bad for Joe Gacy. Like I said, he's a real good dude. And, like, he got dealt a raw deal, and now they're on the raw deal. Yeah. I, I could see where you're coming from as far as, you know, knowing the dude. Like, obviously, it, to me, first time I saw the guy was on in those promos. So it hit a little differently for me. But, uh, obviously, I, I'm not a fan of any of the promos where you're, like, complaining about people being woke and stuff like that. You know, going back to Dan Lambert or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, my other dislike, and I thought we might have kind of crossed streams on this, but we diverged a little bit. Um, I wasn't going to say all of NXT again, because like I mentioned, the fact that it is a little bit hectic and it's craziness and very glow-like is getting a little bit more endearing. Not to the point where it's you know must-see like it was maybe a year or two ago. But my my big dislike coming out of it was that train wreck of a promo uh, from Jesus Christ. I didn't write down the name of the stable, but like Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan and the other girl. Oh, toxic attraction. Yes. The whole toxic attraction thing was giving me my, my final dislike, uh, mostly because it seemed like it was Mandy Rose's first promo ever. And then, like, Gigi Dolan, like, all, like, scary and spooky-like, talking about chaos needing focus. And then the other one said something. But it was all very, very bad. And I know normally my first instinct is, like, to kayfabe into some way that I like this thing. But I, I just don't have the energy to do those mental gymnastics. It was by far the worst segment on the show. 
even though there was a lot of green people that I've never seen before, but this somehow stuck out as being just even worse. Gigi Dolan, Patricia Kelly has been wrestling for the better part of like five or six years. She's always been terrible. And somehow in the WWE system, she's getting worse. I don't know who's, I don't know who's directing her. And I would feel bad because I could just say, like, I could have just one. I could only have to pick one dislike every week because my standing dislike could be Gigi Dolan every week that she's on TV. She's awkward in the ring. She's her body movements are awkward. She does not look natural in anything that she does. And now she has like a giant rose that she points at people. (laughs) I, I don't fucking understand any of it. Right. And uh, she's not doing a good job of conveying whatever the hell it's supposed to be. Yeah. But, that's but yeah, this was really, this was really bad. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Well, I'm glad we're in agreement on that. Um, but yeah, that is all of Do you have any more likes or dislikes? No, that was everything. We crossed over on uh, Danielson right. and Omega. Owen Hart was my other like. I mentioned the the Charlotte Alexa thing and the Joe Gacy thing was my other dislike. All right. Very good. Looking forward to you sending out that glow tweet. But in the meantime, Joe, did you know that there's a pay-per-view this weekend? Allegedly there is. Is Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring? Is Kofi Kingston doing his thing? Ruby Riot be on the show. Well, Daniel Bryan shall no, no. That's right, Joe. WWE presents Extreme Rules this weekend. And according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling news, there are six announced matches as of right now, none of which are on the pre-show. And I'm sure they'll add 10 of them on SmackDown this week. But uh, as of right now, what do you got for me? Okay. Uh, We have uh, Roman Reigns versus the Demon in an Extreme Rules match. Yep. We have uh, Lashley versus Big E in a rematch for the world title. Hmm. Do we, though? That's not officially announced yet? Okay. It is not. Okay. Um, Damian Priest versus Sheamus for the U.S. title? Kind of. Is there somebody else in the match? Is there a third person in the match? It is a triple threat match. Who's the third person in that match? I don't know who the third person in that match is. He is the man who squashed your boy Killer Karrion Cross in his Raw debut. Oh, Jeffrey Hardy. Yes. Uh, I'll take two-thirds of a point there. All right. Uh, Alexa versus uh, uh, Charlotte, no last name. <laughs> yep. Um, we have the Street Profits versus the Usos for the tag titles over there. Correct. We have uh, Bianca versus Becky Lynch for the uh, the SmackDown women's title. That's five. And, and I swear they announced it on TV that it was going to be Kevin Owens versus Baron Corbin at the pay-per-view. Uh, that would be nice to see Kevin Owens on a pay-per-view, but that has not officially been announced. Okay. Uh, so I don't know what the sixth match is. Uh, almost as high a caliber of a person as Kevin Owens, we have Liv Morgan facing Carmella. Oh, okay. That's a paper. <laughs> huh? 
<laughs> as of right now it is yeah it doesn't have the little pre-show thing next to it but uh it has been announced uh maybe they'll bump it for time i don't know we'll see hell of a, hell of a card they're working on there yeah, uh, again, this is why it's a very heated war right now between WWE and AEW. Like, either one of them could be on top on any given day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so just real quick, uh, obviously Roman Reigns retains, right? Correct, because he's already slotted to uh, defend the title against Brock Lesnar at the next Saudi blood oil money show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Becky Lynch retains. Becky or Bianca's not winning it back this quick. Uh, I'm going to say she is. I don't think Becky. So there's prevailing wisdom that Becky is going to raw in the upcoming draft. So I think they're going to bump the title off of Becky here and then move her over to raw in like a week. But you can also just move the champion over. I think that there's a lot of steam left in this cocky, cowardly heel that she's playing now. And to have her lose so quickly kind of takes away from that mystique. You can have her defend successfully on this pay-per-view and just move the SmackDown women's title to Raw and the Raw women's title over to SmackDown and just rename them because nothing matters. No, I think think Bianca's going to win the belt back. All right. Uh, we both are in 100% agreement that Alexa Bliss is going to and deserves to win the, the Raw Women's title, correct? Hmm. Correct. <laughs> um, well, again, Charlotte, no last name, might be a person they may want to keep off TV for the next couple weeks <laughs> or days or so forth, or just yeah. stop calling her by her last name like they continue to do. Um, this match feels as though it's a toss-up, like, unclear finish. I don't think this is the end of the Charlotte-Alexa Bliss rivalry. Let's say that. Yeah. And again, based on their their little promo from two weeks ago, Alexa was getting a lot of babyface reaction from the crowd. And uh, to your point, Charlotte, maybe we take her off of TV for a little bit. And Alexa hasn't had a run at the top. Like, she's... I don't know how many times she won the world title, like five times or something like that. Um, she that The last one was many, many years ago. It was pre-concussion, pre-Ronda Rousey. So I think she's due, you know? She, whether I like it or not, she is an over-character on television. Yeah. But, uh, you know, any other thoughts, predictions? Obviously not too much left on the, the card. I'm sure the Street Profits versus the Usos will be good. Mm-hmm. Um, if and when, uh, Corbin versus Owens gets officially announced, I'm sure that'll be a good match. And I can't imagine them not having Big E on the pay-per-view. He just won the goddamn world title. (laughs) Um, and I'm sure whatever they do with him on the pay-per-view will be great as well. Um, it's just, you know, WWE, it's not that they, I would never say that they're a dead product. I would never say that they're a cold product. But they really need to, like, liven things up to make people care. Yeah. And the fact that we're four days away from the pay-per-view, and not only is your world champion not announced in a, in a match for this pay-per-view, but, like, 
probably the biggest story of the last couple months of your brand, you know, like the one that actually put smiles on people's faces and maybe made people tune in. Like if, if somebody was rejoining watching the WWE for the first time in a couple of years, you know, based on the fact that Big E cashed in, you know, maybe you want to focus something on the pay-per-view for him. I'm not saying he has to go and beat Roman Reigns and unify the belts, but, you know, give, put him in there with a guy that's like, you know, uh, not a legitimate threat to the title, but just something for him to showcase himself, you know? Absolutely. All right. Stupid WWE. All right. Speaking, Joe, of people losing their last names for a little while, uh, let's talk a little bit about Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, we're going to do uh, homework uh, after this? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that afterwards. So, uh, you know, we're a week behind as we record Dark Side of the Ring about uh, Canyon is on as we speak. Last week was the plane ride from hell. And I do uh, tip my John Cena cap to Tim and Marcus over at Final Wrestling Place of saying like, oh, I know Joe's going to have a big rant on this one. Mm-hmm. And I really don't. Um, yeah. This is behavior that we all knew happened. Um, and I think that a lot of us forgot about, um, I I think the biggest stories, the the last, the most lasting story, I think from the plane ride from hell was them cutting off Michael Hayes's ponytail. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the stuff about Dustin Rhodes, um, being drunk and singing to Marlena on the PA for the whatever, was definitely reported at the time, but kind of forgotten about because sadly, you know, Dustin at that time and for several years afterwards uh, was in a really dark place. And he's kind of like turned his life around, has made things a lot better, uh, shown a lot of remorse for the things that he did during this era. Um, the, oh, and the uh, the the Kurt Henning and uh, Brock Lesnar thing where they almost killed everyone by busting the fucking airlock on the door. <laughs> um you know if i was if i was on this plane that would be the thing that i would be most upset about yeah uh but i think what has kind of permeated the news cycle over the last week uh even as we record this is the rick flair stuff right mm. this is no surprise um the majority of this i say um everyone that has known rick flair and rick flair even in his book would tell stories and about how at the hotel after parties of shows, he would come up to people and just like plop his penis on the top of women's heads. Um, as recently as a week ago, uh, Conrad Thompson, who's Ric Flair's son-in-law through marriage, told a story in recent weeks of Ric Flair joking about giving girls roofies uh, in their in their drinks, right? Mm. Um. But I think what came out that people didn't know specific to this instance was that while Ric Flair was walking around in just his robe with his dick out, he grabbed the stewardess's hand and made her touch it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where a lot of the stuff has come up. Ric Flair has categorically denied that. Uh, everyone from RVD to Tommy Dreamer have come out and said, oh, no, it was creative editing on the on the makers of the show. That's not what we really said when we said it. Um, I think even Jonathan Coachman came out uh, and was saying that the entire episode was a lie because uh, Vincent not on the plane, even though Jonathan said that he sat with them 
Um, the fact that he testified in court uh, against these women and, you know, friend of the show, David Bixenspan, who will correct me as I may have gotten a few things wrong here, mm-hmm. produced the court document of this instance to show that Coach was not one of the people that testified in this, which makes me believe that Coach is confusing the plane ride from hell that was featured on the Vice TV show with a different plane ride where a <laughs> bunch of crazy shit happened, which goes to show you that this shit was happening all the time in WWF and WCW. And even further still, this shit probably happened any time that somebody had a private plane and was traveling. You know, when a bunch of insurance salesmen get together and fuck with each other, put shaving cream on each other's head, get piss-ass drunk, you know, make advances at stewardess and stuff. It doesn't get reported because there's no dirt sheet in the insurance commission industry. Ooh, there's an opportunity. Right. There's (laughs) no televised product where we have to see these insurance professionals on a weekly basis playing characters that are essentially themselves turned up to 11. Yeah. So... It's not like this stuff doesn't happen all the time, and it's not like that doesn't make it any better. But it's the fact that there's so much of it going on, or there was so much of it going on at the time, that people that were intimately involved with it were confusing it with multiple other plane rides where crazy shit like this happened. Yeah. And and as we speak, as mentioned, Ric Flair is, like, leaning into it even further. Like, somebody needs to get Ric Flair away from the internet. (laughs) <laughs> I don't mean his phone. I don't mean his computer. Just cut his fucking Wi-Fi off. <laughs> Tell Ric Flair to stop saying stuff, right? You yeah. know, how bad are things when they take you out of the opening of WWE TV and replace the ultimate fucking warrior? Did they not have any footage of Chris Benoit available at the time? <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so- I did have a rant about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know all these things about Dark Side of the Ring. There's a lot of them that I'm like, oh, I don't really know much about this. And there's a couple of them this season that are blank spots for me. But obviously I knew about the the big beats of the plane ride from hell that you mentioned. You know, the the ponytail cut off, the, the fuselage almost being broken by Lesnar and Hennig. Um, and I did not know, uh, or at least I didn't know explicitly uh, just – how graphic the 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 flare stuff was but i shouldn't be shocked because obviously the wwf endorsed espn 30 for 30 basically made a joke about it and it was pointed out there's been a lot of things where you know rick flair jokes about doing similar things in his book and publicly in interviews and whatever but i think it was having uh the victim on the show and hearing it from her words that that really might have turned a lot of people, myself included, sour on Ric Flair. Because before, like you mentioned, it happens. Boys will be boys. You get drunk. It happens every day. And I'm not saying that that's a, a, an okay thing. But, like, when you hear the old stories about Ric Flair, for whatever reason, you're kind of desensitized to it. Because you, on one hand, you're like, oh, yeah, it must have been crazy back in the 70s or whatever. And on the other hand, you're like, oh, it's like a, the rock star lifestyle But no, like if you really look at it and just actually recognize what it is you're hearing, it's fucked up shit, you know, and I think Dark Side of the Ring, whether you want to say, oh, they edited our, our, you know, our stories to to better suit their directive. I don't think they needed to do any creative editing to get across the stewardess's, you know, point of view. And you can say, 
oh, well, you know, Tommy Dreamer really didn't say this or really didn't say that. I don't, at this point, I don't give a shit about what Tommy Dreamer said. You know, like six months from now, nobody's going to care. He's going to be back to doing what he was doing. But, you know, having the perspective of the, the flight attendants, uh, that's the damning stuff for me. That's the stuff that wasn't in the ESPN 30 for 30. And that's the stuff that wasn't in, you know, the joking Ric Flair biography picks and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I feel like anybody with a soul is going to look at that. And that's the, the damaging part. What the hell was the little show that WWE had on the network where people would tell like road stories and stuff and they would animate them? Yeah, it was like story time or some shit like that. There was a story time about Ric Flair that they animated him doing this on planes with other stewardesses in a fun, lighthearted manner of him whipping out his dick in front of unsuspecting strangers. And it was on their website as of like this weekend until they finally took it off. Um, You know, like you could find it on their social media very easily, but now it's been scrubbed from the Internet. It's not like this should have surprised anyone. But another thing I think is there's a lot of people that are wrestling. And again, listen, I forgot the intimate details of everything that happened on something that I was not involved in that doesn't get spoken about that happened 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of wrestling fans today that just got into wrestling within the last 10 years. So that happened well before their time. Yeah. Hey, listen, there's crazier shit that happened before I was a wrestling fan, right? Uh, yeah. There's stories from the 80s of Roddy Piper, Don Morocco, and Balba Orton trying to derail a train because they were so fucked up on coke, right? <laughs> there's there's stories of Johnny Valentine replacing guys in Haler. Uh, with butane lighter torches and the guy pulling a gun on him. Um, there's other stories of Johnny Valentine passing out in hotel rooms or in the lobby of a hotel and the other wrestlers coming and using this opportunity to piss on him in the middle of the lobby of the hotel. Crazy shit has happened in wrestling for a very long time. Currently, before, and well before we all became fans. And I think that this was just a reminder to a lot of the new fans of professional wrestling that a lot of the people that are still around in wrestling today might have been bad people. Yeah, because a lot of those names you just mentioned, you know, those are people that are long out of the public view. You know, obviously you're a wrestling fan, you'll remember some of those people fondly, but, you know, a lot of the people on the plane ride are still Maybe they're not main eventers on TV anymore, but they're brought out for a pop. You know, they're presented as legends, you know, so I think that's the thing. And you mentioned it happened, you know, 20 years ago. You could be an 18-year-old super fan and be, like, researching Ric Flair and watching the old, you know, stuff on the network or on the cock. Uh, and, and like you said, not having no idea that this happened. Um, there are people in wrestling who are active compete competing in the thing that this plane ride from hell incident happened before they were born. So we can't expect everyone to know everything that happened ever in the history of professional wrestling. But when we're reminded of things, whether we were there for it or not, whether we lived through it or not, whether we even alive or not, it sucks having to hear about. Yeah. And like, I hate the perspective that I've uh, obviously you see every shitty perspective on Twitter that like, man, like it's all dark side of the rings fault for drudging all this stuff up. Like, no, fuck you. You know, (laughs) like they're, they're telling a story and they're letting people who might be voiceless have a voice, you know, for once. And, uh, you know, I'm here for it. 
Right, and as mentioned, next week we'll be talking about the uh, Canyon one, uh, which, as I understand, uh, I'm may sure not be... be- It'll just be all positive and rainbows and and nobody nobody will be made to look badly in that one. I'm sure that's going to be just all about how great of a wrestler he was, you know? Well, I have a feeling that there might be one person who might be mad and pissed off about it is all I want to say. Oh, God. Hopefully Mr. Brown's not around. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, I look forward to the Canyon episode because who better than Canyon? All right, other than that, Joe, uh, you assigned me with some homework. 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 It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. That's right, I did. Uh, I decided to do things a little bit differently with homework this week. Instead of assigning Adam a full Chikara event, I decided to give him important bits and bops and pieces of information uh, that he needed to know uh, as we moved forward with the assignment of Chikara things. Uh, if you did not get a chance to watch this stuff, which was in and will be in this week's uh, show post, you could always head over to our friend Kevin's website, uh, masklibrary.com. Uh, he does kind of a recap rundown run through of all this stuff. And uh, if you're heading to RetroCon this weekend, you can run into Kevin and the rest of the house show crew there. And uh, even on Saturday, you can go and get a, an autograph opportunity with Broski himself because he will be there in attendance. <laughs> I heard he's having flight issues, so maybe, maybe yeah, not. <laughs> that's true. Well, I don't know. Poor Chelsea. But- yeah, poor Chelsea. All right, so Joe, I will say I did enjoy this format of yes. you just giving me the things that you thought would pop me and the stuff that I need to follow for the overarching story. I like the fact that you cut out all those pesky ants. You know, none of those like just ants versus ant matches. You know, I don't. Well, like- I gave you the one event center that kind of addresses that, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, exactly. But I did like this. It, it kind of mixed stuff up. But uh, obviously, the show homework kind of bounced around, as you said. The first thing on there was from the Chikara event. Give them the axe, uh, which had, I believe, two different matches on. But I will say the first one was the shard. Versus one of my personal favorites, uh, a relative newcomer in Chikara, the mysterious and handsome stranger. Uh, this match, the Chikara crowd just very much eating up the mysterious and handsome stranger, as they should. Uh, chanting, he's so handsome and still don't know you. My favorite chant, still don't know you. Clap, 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 clap. Uh, the stranger brings out a horse named Desire, which was basically just like one of those like little rocking horses. But uh, in doing so, he almost tore down the Chikar entranceway, which I thought was awesome. After a hot start by the stranger, the shard eventually takes control. We learned that the stranger is a Texas Ranger, which is cool to know. Bryce and Gavin were doing commentary and they were working in Aerosmith song titles into commentary. And eventually the stranger wins via top rope leg drop, continues his impressive streak. And uh, again, I have no idea who this guy is, but I want to see more of him. Uh, I think I think Bryce on commentary called his uh, version of the leg drop off the top rope the Texas Jam, as opposed to the <laughs> Alabama Jam. 
yeah. that uh, uh, Bobby Eaton would do. But yes, this was definitely a fun match. Very memorable uh, for the incident of the mysterious and handsome stranger almost taking down the entire entranceway for his bit. <laughs> yeah. And I will just say, shame on you, Chikarsen. If what? I was if I was to follow these time notes and just go going and watching specifically what you told me, I would have missed the 3.0 promo that came up immediately after this match. You're lucky I'm slow to the to the fast forward button. All but right. uh, I will just throw this in as extra credit. 3.0 was there talking about how Gran Akuma is a jerk. Obviously, they've been forced to team up with Gran Akuma due to uh, the, the sabermetrics nonsense. And uh, they were lamenting how they wish it was El Generico, but Akuma's a big jerk. And then the camera kind of pans over to the side and they did the whole thing. Uh, was he there the whole time? Which, classic 3.0. All right, so next up on the same show, uh, the same show were the throwbacks cashing in their opportunity to face the Young Bucks uh, for the World Tag Team titles, the Campeones de Parejas. This was a two out of three falls match. Before the match, we have a little interview with uh, Mr. Touchdown and Dasher. And I guess I did not see this because it was on a Wrestling is Fun show, but we finally got to the point where Dasher saw that uh, Mr. Touchdown was, you know, cheating and evil. Previously, Dasher was always kind of blind to it. You know, he was distracted. He was taken out, but he never actually saw uh, Mr. Touchdown doing the the cheating. So I guess he caught him on a wrestling is fun show. And he says, like, listen, this is not going to happen tonight. You only get two strikes. You already have one already. Uh, There won't be any of that nonsense tonight. Um, So obviously during the match. Uh, we have Veronica Ticklefeather coming out with touchdown and Dasher, LFC and Ultramantis Black on commentary, a great combination. And, uh, I'll just throw it to you for a real quick before I go into this so I can catch my breath and take a drink here. But the throwbacks are in control for a lot of the opening of the match uh, until Dasher does the little running of the bases thing. And then he starts eating super kicks. And at that point, the bucks are in control for a while, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I really like this match. Um, a lot of times I don't remember these matches as I called them. Uh, but I love the pace of this match. Uh, this match did not slow down for the entirety of it. Um, I, the only thing I don't like a lot of times, and you'll see this happen in this era of Chikara 2 out of 3 fall Campeonato State Parejas matches, is that the first and second falls happen almost like back-to-back. Yeah. So... It's kind of like, oh, the heels have the advantage. Now the baby faces need to fight back. And no, they just did like 30 seconds later, you know? Yeah. Uh, that would that would happen quite a bit in matches in this era. Yeah. So uh, obviously the the match, like the I feel like the majority of the match was before the first fall. And, uh, you know, there was some back and forth. But eventually Mr. Touchdown was going to go and hit Matt Jackson with the twirling baton of Veronica's. Yes. Dasher's like, no, no, no. He stops him. And then... Uh, Jackson uses the baton to hit Mr. Touchdown, gets the first fall. And then like immediately afterwards, the throwback, as you mentioned, gets the second fall with like a a wheelbarrow cutter move. So basically Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson lost the second fall to Bo Jackson. Ah, see what I did there? All right. Anyways, (laughs) because they call the move the Bo Jackson. Anyways, uh, so for the most of the third fall, it's the Bucks isolating Dasher. Um, if here's a question for you as a Chikara expert. So 
for the the third fall, as I mentioned, you know, the Bucks are trying to keep Dasher from doing the hot tag. So they're cutting the ring in half. If we are going by Lucha rules and you want to tag in your partner, why don't you just dive out of whatever side of the ring you're on? You know, you can't make it to your tag partner who's all the way on the other side of the ring. You know, every time you reach over, you're, you're cut off, but you're constantly by any of the ropes. Just ju- just jump out and then your guy's in there. So it, it so okay so that does happen right uh-huh. um but obviously if I'm keep if I'm beating you down and I'm cutting the ring in half so you can't get to your tag team partner I'm also doing my best to keep you away from the ropes from doing just that mm. yeah I just I feel like they they always have that little burst of energy where they can make the lunge over to the corner but always just miss the tag we'll use that burst of energy to go out of the ropes I don't know we'll see. Mm-hmm. There, I think there are matches, maybe not this season, but things do um, come up where maybe the guy does jump out and maybe the partner's pulled off the apron and misses it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different ways around that. I'm with you, but I, I get what you're saying that it should have happened in this match. It didn't. I feel as though the Bucks did a good job of kind of keeping the heat on Dasher so that he wasn't able to make the tag or just jump out of the ring. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep this relatively short because we have a bunch of other stuff. Eventually, TD gets the hot tag. Uh, the Bucks end up winning with more bang for your buck. Uh, Veronica Ticklefeather is yelling at Dasher, it's your fault that we lost. Dasher tells her to hit the bricks, and TD says, if she goes, I go. And that's pretty much the end of it. Bucks retain. Right. Uh, we go to an event center. This is the next thing that you gave me to watch. Uh, Wink Vavasor taking uh, criticism for the Chikara metric stuff that he's been doing. And as you mentioned, he kind of says, hey, for King of Trios, we're going to reunite uh, the colony and the, the swarm will be there. And it's just going to be the traditional stuff that you're used to, whatever, blah, blah, and stuff. Ooh. Well, no, no, no. So what he says was, he says, it's the colony, your favorite colony back together again. Red ant, green ant, and blue ant, which is incorrect. Oh, see, I don't know enough to notice that. (laughs) Because, again, obviously red ant, fire ant, okay, green ant is green ant, sure. But blue ant was a sail ant. Oh, okay. You can see how I'd be confused on this, Joe. <laughs> right. And then he ends up putting uh, uh, Sugar Dunkerton with Fist. Yeah, yeah. That one that one stood out. Uh, I do like the shot he took where he said uh, he took exception to Leonard F. Chikarsen's criticism, and he refers to Leonard as the deposed director of fun and current ticket taker. <laughs> that, that was true. Yes. Um, and then we do see a segment where Bryce Remsburg uh, frantically tracks down the mysterious and handsome stranger and asks him, who are you? And uh, we have basically the stranger in his best dusty voice uh, to me introducing. I don't know if it was uh, introduced previously, but he introduced Sapphire, the feral pigeon by his side. Uh, so we intro- we get the uh, the introduction of Sapphire. And then Bryce says back to you, Bryce, which I pop for. Uh, so yes, uh, anytime, and again, you'll, we will get them all here. Any event center that has a mysterious and handsome stranger promo will be included in anything that I assign. Thank God. I appreciate that. 
All right, so now we switch over to live at First Energy, yeah, live at First Energy Stadium 12. You can keep that in a marble mouth. And we have, I believe you said last week, this was the debut of Sydney Bacabella. The debut of Sydney Bacabella on the main Chikara shows, along with the debut of the Devastation Corporation. Yes. Yes. So Sydney Bacabella comes out. He is talking about how the Northeast Territory isn't the land of opportunity. Uh, I agree with Kevin Hellions that I want to not only find that fucking asshole who's yelling what every three seconds and curb stomp him, but I also uh, I've been very public in my desire to get a time machine and go back and uh, quite possibly incapacitate whoever wrote the what thing for Steve uh, for Steve Austin, because it's the worst thing on the planet. I get the Chikara is a family-friendly show, but a bunch of the boys should have gone out and just hit him over the head with something. It was so goddamn distracting. But with that being said, uh, Alan Hunter and J.J. Washington come out. You're led to believe that maybe they're the ones being given the opportunity that Sidney Bacabella was alluding to. But no, Devastation Corporation comes out. Blaster McMassive. Max Smashmaster, uh, they are actually Sydney's charges. I've gone on record again about how much I love those names. Uh, Bryce and Leonard F. Carson on commentary are chased off after the match because obviously this is a, a 1980s squash match that lasts like two seconds. And uh, McMassive and Smashmaster, impressive debut. Yeah, it's just that these are going to be characters going forward in the grand scheme of things and the Chikara stuff that we're going to be watching. So it's interesting to see their debut here. Uh, one of the people in this match, uh, maybe former uh, NXT signee and recently returned to the Indies, Anthony Henry. Uh, another person in this match, maybe the uh, shadow booker of Thrill Zone these days. Who knows? <laughs> Nice. All right. So we switch over to another Chikara event, Ring of Wax. We see the mysterious and handsome stranger versus Lancelot Bravado. Bravado, one of the guys that I had popped for previously, the apple of his grandmother's eye. He is striking out on his own. It's established at this point that handsome stranger is 4-0. So I feel like you might have deprived me of a match just by my math here because I saw his debut. I saw his match earlier uh, versus the Shard, and I think I'm missing one. So I'm going to hold you to the receipts on that. So there was a match of him against Grizzly Redwood at the baseball stadium show. Okay. Um, not If I was picking one to do in between here and trios, this is the one that I picked. Fair enough. But I just wanted to make that joke. Uh, so during this match... Uh, the stranger carries out a sack over his shoulder. We don't know right away what's in the sack. Turns out later on it is Sapphire. Uh, there is a quick draw competition where Lancelot attempts to cheat, but the mysterious and handsome stranger just too good on the draw. Bravado actually targets the stranger's shooting shoulder, you know, keeping him from being able to be quick on the draw. Uh, and I think that this kind of throws off the stranger's game because he misses the, uh, the top rope leg drop. And Bravado attempts to steal, to mess with the bag that has Sapphire in it, but Sapphire attacks him. Stranger ends up winning with a step over toehold and is now 5-0. and I want to say that the, maybe the reason that Sapphire... Now, I was not on this uh, event. I did not take this trip out there for whatever reason. Mm. Um, but I have a feeling that the reason Sapphire was in the sack was because they forgot Sapphire this weekend in an excuse 
to work it into the finish and not actually have Sapphire. <laughs> Works for me. All right. And lastly, at least from the wrestling perspective, we have for the Young Lions Cup, the final, we have ACH versus Mr. Touchdown. Now, before I get into this, I have some Chikar, uh, a Chikar question for you. It was said on commentary that we are getting the Young Lions Cup back for the first time in over a year because it was in Japan. Explain. Yes. Explain. So a year prior, uh, the Young Lions Cup tournament uh, was won by uh, current, I think, Osaka pro wrestler Tadasuke. He won the tournament in actually a truncated tournament that was, um, like I said, canceled, truncated, or whatever, due to a hurricane in the area of the Easton Funplex. <laughs> um, and the finals, I, if I remember correctly, was Tadasuke versus Archibald Peck. Oh, um, whatever happened who, to that guy who somehow through legal wranglings with his barrister, R.D. Evans, was able <laughs> to get his age disproven to be under 25 years old to be in the Young Lions tournament. <laughs> but that was last year. That was the year prior. Yeah. OK. OK. And then basically the guy who won, you were just saying he just never defended in Chikara. Uh, right. So he, and that's typically the way that the young lions cup would go is you would win the tournament and then you would defend until it was time for the new tournament to begin. And then you would just kind of relinquish the cup then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have a lot of notes about the majority of this match. Uh, it obviously started off doing a little bit of the comedy shtick. We have, you know, uh, Mr. Touchdown playing hot potato with the football. It ends in a really cool thing where Mr. Touchdown stiff arms ACH with like the Heisman pose. I thought that was a great thing. Uh, and a little bit of shtick where ACH was going to like throw the ball to Mr. Touchdown. He ends up running into a wall, go long, all that stuff. But I mean, that was at the beginning. But this match turned into like a really good showcase of not only ACH, but Mr. Touchdown. Um, like, Mr. Touchdown is really, really good at this time, and uh, I think this match does a great job of showing that. Both of these guys are good, but uh, ACH at one point does a springboard to the outside and almost takes out a fan. That was awesome. There was a 450 splash uh, that did not get a count due to the distraction from Veronica. This leads to Dasher kind of carrying her away uh, at that point, so she can't interfere. Mr. Touchdown eventually wins this match, uh, like an awesome match, uh, via top rope spine buster. And after the match, Dasher wanted a hug and congratulation, but Mr. Touchdown picks up Veronica, Macho Man and Liz style, and kind of no-sells the uh, uh, the hug attempt. But as I mentioned, uh, really good match. I don't have a lot of notes in the spots because I was just kind of just sitting back and enjoying it. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of the Chikara is some ha-ha, some hee-hee, and what have you. Uh, but this was just a really good match between two, uh, at the time, young and up-and-coming wrestlers who sadly are no longer in wrestling anymore, which is a real bummer. Because both these guys, I think, had a lot of promise. And, uh, you know, this was an important moment in all of the storylines and stuff that we'll be watching as we go toward the end of uh, what all ending for Chikara. Yeah. And, and ACH, you know, he looks like the guys that would be, like, really hot in the indies right now. Like, he's got, like, a Gresham-type size, you know, like, jacked but not huge, you know, like, very and athletic. Uh, Mr. Touchdown, when you look at him, he looks like he would be a WWE, like, NXT guy who can't wrestle. 
you know, because he's a good looking dude who's just big and chiseled, but like he's really deceptively good at wrestling is the thing that kind of uh, I was not expecting. You know, you've seen glimpses of it in the tag matches with uh, the throwbacks, but this really just, again, I can't give it enough praise. Yep. Again, good match. Yep. And finally, we have a throwdown lowdown, uh, just basically, again, showing some clips of Mr. Touchdown yep. in a match that I think we watched a couple homeworks ago. But, Joe, you buried the lead. You should have told me that this was pre-brain-pilled Scarlet Bordeaux. <laughs> <laughs> I did that on purpose! I was so this is this, this is the first throwdown lowdown that she does. And it was the first one that did not have her, like, in the screen cap on the YouTube thing, you know? Okay. So I'm like, ooh, what a coincidence. I could just throw this in here for Adam and pop him that, <laughs> to show him that Scarlet was in Chikara. This is, uh, uh, it reminded me of when I assigned you the Nightmare Factory homework, and I was, like, miserable the whole time until at the end Anna Jay came out. And I was like, yay, it's all worth it. Uh, but the, obviously I was not miserable watching this homework, but I knew Scarlett, you know, traveled the roads with you boys, but uh, it was cool to see her pop up in the homework. And, I know uh, I... I know I've told you the story that she slept in the closet of my hotel room at a show in the future here. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you told me that. And uh, I also want to say, uh, and it's one thing to come from a normal person, but it means a lot more coming from me. Uh, Kevin, you need to calm down on the horniness when you're talking about Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't listen to Hellion's talks this week with the rest of the house show crew, did you? It's in my queue, but uh, oh, I got boy. some stuff there. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm glad the horniest crew in podcasting is back. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, you're looking forward to it, but uh, yeah, man, I really enjoyed all of this. And I honestly, at no point did I watch the clock, which is what I do out of on like 99% of the homeworks that either you assign or I assign yeah. uh, because it all flowed pretty well. So, you know, keep up this style if there's more Chikara, which I'm sure there will be. Yes. And obviously there is no homework for this coming week uh, right. because we have rules. Yep. But here's the thing. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying this to you, Joe, and I'm not saying this to our audience. This is specifically for Kevin Hellions because he does the write-ups for the show homeworks all the time. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, he would be doing the world a disservice if he did not watch and review the premiere episode of Roads to the Top. I feel like he needs to do it so that we don't have to. Mm. And uh, I would uh, anxiously go and read that write-up if he accepted the challenge. So maybe he doesn't. Maybe maybe he's a coward and he doesn't. I don't know. We'll see. But I just want to throw that out there. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah, let him do that. Exactly. I'm not saying it to you. I, I would not wish that upon you. But I am anxious to see what somebody whose opinion I respect would, would have to say about it because I ain't watching it and I know you're not watching it and uh, nope. not even as a rib, I'm not going to assign it. So uh, I just want to see what he has to say. And I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> the what? I'm not going to assign it? Yes. I promise you, uh, hand on my heart, I swear to my Alexa Bliss cardboard cutout, I will not assign Roads to the Top at any point. Unless Phil from Chicago is on there, then maybe. <laughs> Or Alexa Blue. Ooh, whatever. Uh, when, when Lexi Kaufman's all elite, dude, that's when the war's over. <laughs> when that graphic comes out. 
<laughs> Good lord. Whoever the last person in WWE is, turn off the light. That's when it's done. <laughs> so, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying anyways. So, uh, hey, we mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. A lot of the Chikara events that we talked about, that AIW show, uh, Johnny Gargano, AIW, uh, Indie Farewell. Uh, those are all over at Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. Uh, independentwrestling.tv. Um, use the promo code at odds if you're a new subscriber, just to let Jerry know that we sent you to sign up. They don't give you the free days anymore, but hey, still use it. There's a bunch of stuff. Uh, streaming this weekend, PWF has a show on Friday, uh, Invictus Pro and H2O have shows uh, on Saturday, Sean Henderson Presents has a show on Sunday, but I know this weekend I will be watching the uh, AIW show Ace Degenerates, which was on as we recorded this, um, you know, obviously I've been enjoying AIW for a very long time, as is Adam, so um, I that's my recommendation to watch this weekend, um, they have been announcing or matches for the upcoming, and I forget what they're actually calling it, uh, the October 8th uh, IWTV Untitled event. Um, as I mentioned before, um, we have announced for that a PWF offer match of a six-man tag, limitless offer match, Rip Bryson versus Alec Price, uh, WWR Plus offer match, Kennedy Copeland versus Megan Bain, uh, Avery Good, comma, professional wrestler taking on world famous CB and just announced tonight Rip City Shooters, uh, Josh Bishop and Wes Barkley defending the tag titles against PME. And the main event is Wheeler Yuta defending the Jerry TV title against Alex Shelley with I'm sure more to be announced. Uh, that show is two weeks away. Um, I think it is taking place live at the H2O Arena where Matt Tremont runs his shows. Uh, but like I said, that's two weeks away. This weekend, watch the AIW show. Um, hey, if you've signed up for our pigskin pickums through the ESPN thing, they made m several good changes, but they made many bad changes to it as well. Um, one, you can't just do the pick them all like I feel lucky or whatever it is. Yeah. But apparently it's not saving a lot of people's picks. Uh, I did notice myself had to click on things multiple times board actively to register um you know i'm tied with many people for 30th place Todd <laughs> is tied with a couple people for second place and adam's right in the middle at 16th place now you got me worried as to whether or not my shit saved yeah mm. but uh todd has been tweeting at the uh espn folks all day telling them that their changes suck all I want at this point is if you look at your picks like during the day, during the games, is for it to show the goddamn scores. Because like it'll show, oh, this game is locked because it's going on right now, and you picked this team, whatever one it is. How about just showing the score on that same screen so I don't have to leave the web page or leave the app to see if I'm actually like if I made the right choice? You know, I think that's a glaring oversight that was there the last 20 years of pick them that all of a sudden they're like, Oh, we don't need that. We don't need yeah. scores in sports. So positive changes, but mostly negative changes. It feels like, but like I said, if you feel like if you forgot to do your picks or your picks didn't save or whatever happened, you know, you're still not completely out of the woods because a lot of other people are having issues as well. Yeah. And I mean, I give it to week six before I completely forget to pick all the one o'clock games anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. 
you can head over to our T Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, since uh, that's the mothership of the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, all of our designs uh, inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, which actually their uh, design, Uncle Taker, uh, was named by Big E on a, a clip that was on social media this week. They, he called The Undertaker Uncle Taker. Look at that. Look at that. You gotta get so, those, uh, those, those, those t-shirt sales are probably going to fly out the, out the door right now. That'll be Tim's consolation prize uh, yeah. when he loses to you in the A-show voting, you know? Yep, exactly. Like, can't win at the draft shows, but he can beat me in t-shirt sales. I'm okay with that. Uh, but you can get those designs on shirts and stickers and cell phone covers and notebooks and all sorts of shit and 38% off this weekend. Uh, if you head over there, another way that you can help out the show, of course, is making any of all of your Amazon purchases through our affiliate link, which is in the show notes to every one of these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the uh, click through this week include... The Marvel Funko Pop Old Man Steve Amazon exclusive. That's actually going to be a pretty hot pop. I've been trying to get that as well, but that sold out pretty damn quick. Mm, a hot pop. Huh? Hot pop. Yep. If yeah. I wasn't doing my purge right now, I would have been trying to get that a little harder. But uh, yeah, maybe when I free up some space. I, I heard about your purge. Unless the other side of the room is a dumpster. It ain't much of a purge. <laughs> Somebody also purchased the uh, Mandalorian hooded Ashka, Ashuka, uh, whatever the character that, uh, uh, what's her face plays. AEW superstar Rosario Dawson. Yes, <laughs> Rosario Dawson, Dual Savers, Amazon exclusive. And somebody purchased the World Wrestling Entertainment Fan Takeover Triple H Ultimate Edition. Yeah, those popped up this week. Uh, they they were available for pre-order. I had let a bunch of people know, and I also nudged them to go ahead and use our click-through. So hopefully it looks like it paid off. So I will say this publicly, and again, I don't endorse this, but uh, a way that you could certainly uh, clarify things or otherwise um, would be is go through our Amazon link, purchase a gift card, mm -hmm. and then make your uh, uh, purchase through the Amazon link again using the gift card. It's the uh, Kroger meat opportunity <laughs> double dip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if uh, old DeWiki had done that with his uh, massive computer, we could have gotten <laughs> enough uh, advertising fees to, to fly him out for a live podcast. <laughs> it's right. Nice. Uh, so, Adam, are there any podcasts that are, like, friends of ours or adjacent to us before we get into weekly purchases and wrap this motherfucker up? Eh, friends is a strong word, but yeah, we have Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam, Hellions Talks, IWTV Guide, and then one last time, go and listen to my appearance on the A-Show and vote for me. But yeah, that's it for the main show. All right. So let's get into weekly purchases, my friend. 
Yeah, and I, I just want to say a couple people reached out to me this week. They were just I, we were chatting about other things on Twitter and Twitter DMs, and they uh, a couple people actually said that this is their favorite favorite segment of the show. So uh, I agree with them. I think that, that we should just completely collapse everything else and just talk about dolls. But uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, and Joe, I went into this basically saying. I'm not going to have a lot of stuff this week, but surprise, surprise, it kind of blew up. <laughs> um, the first thing I want to say is I don't know if you saw the McFarlane Toys Princess Bride figures that were announced a couple months ago. I did. Okay. So those finally went up for pre-order. It was the Fezzik, which is yet another Andre the Giant figure, um, a Dread Pirate Roberts, an Inigo Montoya, and a Princess Buttercup. Now, The Princess Bride is one of my maybe three favorite movies ever. That Back to the Future trilogy, which I count as one movie because I cheat. And then I don't know, the third spot's kind of fluid. But I was like, I need the Fezzik figure. I need the Dread Pirate Roberts. And I need the Inigo Montoya. I was like, I don't really need the Princess Buttercup. But then I kind of went back and forth. I'm like, what am I going to buy three out of the four figures? What happens if there's a second line, you know, and there's more figures? Am I going to always be missing that one? So long story short, I kind of priced around. And believe it or not, it is it was the cheapest to pre-order directly from McFarland's website, where they had like a buy three, get one free type of deal. So in my mind, I got the Buttercup for free, so it didn't cost me anything. And they don't charge tax if you order straight from McFarland, Joe. Oh, so the, look at that. Yeah, hey. so the, the whole thing, I got like the, the four figures for like $23 a piece shipped or less than that, actually. I forget. But anyways, I wanted them. I wanted at least three of them. And that's my, my first purchase. And I was under the impression that that was going to be like my only purchase this week. But it did not work out that way. What about you, Joe? What else? Do you, what did you have? Uh, well, uh, again, you know, we start off with something for my kid, uh, how these things typically start. Uh, he is into, uh, this game called balloons TD. It's some sort of like weird tower defense game, right? Okay. Uh, and currently the only merchandise that they have for it is shirts. Uh, and they don't have a dress code at school. He could pretty much wear whatever he wants. Uh, so I had ordered him two shirts off of their website. I think their site is like KiwiNinja.com or some nonsense. So I ordered two shirts for him off that. And I feel as though like all of these like current um, indie game developer, YouTubers and so forth all use the same company to produce and ship their merchandise because I get like the same notifications whenever I've ordered stuff from them. Mm. Um, my wife was concerned. Are you aware of the meme? Where it's like a little girl in the foreground and she kind of has like a uh, like a satisfied look on her face. And then behind her, there's a fire. Oh, yeah. The house fire. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So that's one of the shirts. It's one of the, the characters from that game making that face with a fire behind them. And my wife was very concerned, very nervous that if he wore a shirt that had fire on it, he would be sent home from school. Much like she was upset that the book bag that we got him has a sword painted on it <laughs> that he would get sent home from school. And I tell him, I go, if they send you home from school because of your book bag, I go, you just got a free day off and you're the coolest kid in school. That being said, <laughs> as my wife was lamenting this and we were dropping my kid off at school today, there was a kid coming to school wearing a killer clowns from outer space shirt. So I'm like, he's fine. He'll be all yeah. right. <laughs> nice. 
Um, my next thing, Joe, is a couple things real quick. I bought a bunch more Ultimates because, once again, I've been advised by my toy financial advisor that Ultimates are a great investment. <laughs> Um, as we mentioned during the Amazon plugs, I also was among the people who purchased the Amazon fa fan takeover uh, DX Triple H figure. That's, uh, like I said, an exclusive for Amazon, and they uh, they might even still be up there now. So use our click-through and go and get one of those. But I jumped on that, and Ringside had the Ultimate Series 10 figures in stock, which was a John Cena and The Rock and I ordered uh, those straight from ringside. Use promo code uh, at odds to save nothing. But uh, yeah, so I got a bunch of ultimates this week as well. What about you? So you mentioned ringside. Uh, I made a purchase through ringside this week as well. Uh, I think it's still available, but not very long. Uh, they did a Mortis micro brawler. That's not um, ringside. That's pro wrestling tees. Pro wrestling tees. My apologies. Yeah. Um, pro wrestling tees. Uh, Mortis micro brawler. Um, it's sad that Mortis, maybe one of the most toyetic characters in wrestling history, does not have an action figure. Yeah. Um, I could only hope that with whatever agreements have been going on to get this micro brawler made to have shirts, uh, immortalizing Canyon, that hopefully someone makes a deal somewhere to have a Mortis action figure. Uh, because I will absolutely buy that son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, my first knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, it'd be great in like a Target uh, Mattel Elite line. But then I'm like, you know what? Let's have an unmatched uh, Luminaries figure. You know, let's do one in Jazzwares because how you know yep. they're going to have the classic Jericho and and whatever. So that's that's a good spot for him because I you know the the Mortis gimmick. I don't think that's WWE's right. That's that's back to the Canyon Estate. Uh, so that's interesting because I do know that Mortis was, or Canyon was using it on the indies for a while. And actually, uh, he, you know, Canyon trained amongst many other people, Brian Cage. And for a period of time, Brian Cage was wrestling as Mortis on indie shows. Okay. So I, again, I think it's like a legal gray area, but it'd be very interesting, obviously with, uh, pro wrestling T selling the micro brawler, I would assume, that World Wrestling Entertainment doesn't have the rights to stop them from doing so. Uh, but whether it be Jazzwares, whether it be a Super 7, uh, whether Zombie Sailor, Chella do like an uh, Hasbro-style Mortis figure, first Mortis figure that comes out, I'm getting it. There you go. Okay, cool. Uh, Joe, today was the day. Speaking of AEW Unmatched figures... Series two went up for pre-order, Joe. And yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of other people in that line. Oh, you know. got the Santana Ortiz. Awesome. Nah, nah, nah. I don't want those peg warmers. I I, I don't want those uh, AEW buddies or whatever else went up for pre-order. Oh, you today. got the you got the new MJF. No, no, I don't want uh, the MJF. Not even the 10th the best heel in like the company. I bought Joe the debut figure. Of the face of women's wrestling, Joe. The face? The face. With one of the most accurate molds ever depicted to toys. And I bought two of them, Joe. I am a mint on card guy. And I'm not going to display one out of the box. You know, that's not the way I roll. Everything's got to stay in the box. 
But that doesn't mean I won't, uh, you know, just to make sure the figure is more appreciated. Maybe I'll, I'll flip one around in the packaging just to, to make sure that I can s- admire the sculpting. But sure, uh, right. Yeah. You're going to want because you're going to want to be able to uh, admire the handiwork, the front, the back, both sides. I completely understand. Exactly. Exactly. So I was very excited to go ahead and order those from ringside. Uh, that is not something that I will allow to chance that I will one day stumble upon on a doll safari. Uh, I, I went ahead and paid the the suckers premium to to buy those uh, from ringside. What about you? What what AEW figures did you get? How many Tay Contis did you order? <laughs> None. I, I didn't get what? any uh, uh, Tay Contis. If I see it in the wild, I see it in the wild. Um, <laughs> you know. I, I, I admire Tay Conti uh, for the performer that she is, the squash matches that she has on Dark and Dark Elevation, where she just beats the shit out of poor fools. <laughs> um, but I did make one final purchase before we actually recorded today. Oh. Uh, when I'm going to go pick up my comics uh, on Wednesday, I was speaking to young Becky at the comic book shop, and we were talking about the Nintendo Direct that was coming out uh, today. Uh, you know, I'm a Nintendo guy. I, I'm a video game guy because of my son. I kind of got back into things. The Switch has a lot of old games that you can get on there. If you pay, like, their $35 a year, like, online, whatever, you get, like, a whole bunch of, like, old NES games, a whole bunch of old SNES games. They just announced that they're going to start adding N64 and Genesis games as well. Um, but that's not what I was most excited about. I said to Becky, I said, I don't care about no smash things. I don't care about no nothing added to, uh, Animal Crossing. I want them to release ActRaiser. Do you remember the game ActRaiser, Adam, for the wow. SNES? No, I have no record. I don't even, the, the title doesn't ring a bell. Okay. So do you remember SimCity? Of course. Okay. So ActRaiser is essentially SimCity with an action RPG element where you're given a mission or a task by the people that come to your village and to accumulate and accrue goods and materials and so forth, you have to go on like a side-scrolling RPG adventure. Okay. This was a game that I loved growing up. And as Nintendo was releasing stuff for their online version of the Super Nintendo, or even the SNES Mini that came out, this game was not included. So they released a remastered, graphics redone, improved music, 15 new tracks, etc., etc., called Act Razor Renaissance. 30 bucks, I'm like, I, if it was 50 bucks, I was, I was buying it. You know what I mean? This was yeah. like my favorite SNES game. It was the game that I said, it's the one thing that I want them to announce at the Nintendo Direct. They did it. I bought it. I'm treating myself. Unfortunately, it was taking a while to download uh, prior to it going live and us getting a chance to record, so I didn't get a chance to play it yet. But uh, after we are done recording, editing, and posting the show, I'm going to go out and fire up some Act Razor. Oh. Well, you know what, Joe? Why don't I handle the editing this week? You got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Borrow Todd's ringtone maker. <laughs> yeah. I'll get right on that. All right, my last purchase this week, Joe, and uh, again, shame on you and shame on my favorite indie wrestling commentator, Kevin Ford. Uh, When it was announced that Broski was selling, well, not not him, he had sold 
the gear he wore to mimic Vince McMahon to, to somebody who that person was then turning him into trading cards. Uh, you and Kevin Ford basically said, oh, yeah, Adam absolutely bought one of them. Uh, shame on you guys. I bought two of them. So... <laughs> Uh, just because, uh, again, anything that's limited, uh, I, if I can, it's within my means. Maybe I buy two. I hedge my bets that maybe I get like a signature. I can then always sell the second one for a little bit more, a little bit down the road. But uh, kudos to whoever it was that I bought this friggin' thing from because it's already shipped. Unlike those goddamn uh, GCW autographed plaques that I ordered like on September 3rd that like seemingly every other major mark has already gotten theirs and I haven't even received a shipping notification but uh unlike that plaque these are already in the mail so I'm looking forward to getting those probably in the next day or two because they're coming from uh uh the east so they're not that far away did you listen to major wrestling figure podcast this week I did uh I so it does come out for the pores on Friday <laughs> yes um but Broski tells the story of how that his yeah. uh, outfit uh, being repurposed into cards came to be. And it was such a great story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so that those are on their way. Who knows where my plaques are, but uh, maybe they'll come. Here's my thing about the plaques. If you go to mattcardonamerch.com, this is not a plug, not a sponsor. Uh, there is a little link that says, you know, questions, problems, click here. And it's like a Gmail account that I'm sure maybe at one point went to, to Cardona, but now probably goes to Kinnick or whatever. Uh, I, I'm half tempted to just be like, hey, guys, any uh, any update on maybe when mine's going to ship? You know, no big deal. But knowing it's broski, I would probably get told to go fuck myself. So I'm just going to I'm just going to ignore it. And just when it comes, it comes. I would say if he wasn't having plane troubles, I'd go to RetroCon this weekend and ask him in person. <laughs> yeah, that's an option. At this point, I'm willing to go to New York where Knick is to just pick him up. It'd probably be quicker. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't who who's vendoring Broski at RetroCon this weekend? Is it Knick or is it someone else? Uh, David C. Is that a person? Yeah, David yeah. C. Anderson. I was going to say if it was Knick or someone like that, I'd say like, listen, I'd contact is him and say, listen, I haven't got my plaque yet. Uh, you're going to be in my neck of the woods this weekend. I don't know if it's been shipped. Could I just come to you in Pennsylvania and pick it up from you this weekend? Yeah. Uh, or I could send uh, Kevin Hellions to go get it and they could just drop it off. That's true. That's he was awesome. looking for a reason to come by the importer exporter shop and give you uh, the business. <laughs> give him the business. Yeah. Oh, and Joe, you know what? I completely forgot. There's a, a whole other weekly purchase thing that I, I should have mentioned earlier, but I, I had sent it to you. Uh, I bought a bunch of wrestling figures on eBay for like next to nothing. And uh, it was the first uh, Kevin Owens figure, the first Kevin Owens Elite, I should specify, uh, the first Sami Zayn Elite. Now, these were things that were on my eBay watch list for a while. And I got those for like, less than five dollars a piece wow and the same seller had a bunch of basics and i'm not normally a basics guy i say this all the time but there was the first kevin owens basic and i got that for a dollar and i forget there was so oh uh, i want to say a finn balor basic that was a dollar then uh lastly there was a johnny gargano nxt takeover basic 
that I got for a dollar. And these are all mint on card. They're not Lucy's. But basically, I got two elites and uh, three basics for like less than 50 bucks shipped, probably like 45 bucks shipped. Um, it, it costs more to ship them than it costs for the figures. So I was actually kind of pumped for that. Cause I'm trying to, trying to gobble up some of my one or two favorite WWE guys so that I can just like not have to buy as much WWE stuff, but I'm all talk. Gotcha. But yeah, I completely forgot to mention that cause I didn't have it in my notes, but, uh, that's all I bought. Just those couple, two, three things. Yeah, just a couple, two, three things. What busy week for you, Adam? This is the busiest week for me in a while with three purchases. Yeah. I'm very proud of myself, you know. I, I I am too. I need to get you to buy some more dolls, and then we'll be all set. I didn't even go on a single doll safari this week. Everything mm-hmm. that I ordered was from like online. Right. So at that Target, there's probably triple the amount of Colonel Mustafa's there because you weren't there to pick them all up. Yeah. Well, I think the Mustafa opportunity is dried up. We're on to the Warlord opportunity. Gotcha. That's the one I'm looking for now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's it, Joe. All right, everyone, thank you very much. Extra long show. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening as much as we maybe enjoyed recording it. <laughs> uh, for Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening to episode 157 of Adam's Wrestling. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.